Come on, everyone. Yes, Lord. Yes, amen. Come on, do it again. I said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. My favorite time of the of the week is coming into the house of God with God's people. I mean, look around and look at some of these wonderful faces. Go ahead, smile at somebody. Let me see some teeth. You don't have teeth, gums are okay, that's fine. That's just whatever you got. Okay? Oh, it is good, it is good. Somebody uh, uh, at the beginning of class. I won't mention an initial, any names, but his initials are Bob Hurst. Uh, at the beginning of class, said, Pastor, I'm going to post something on Facebook about what's wrong with all the people of the world, or what's wrong with people. And he said, but I figured I better put on there what's right with people. It'd be a lot shorter. And I said, yep, that's true. What's right with people? Jesus. That's all you got to say. When you got Jesus, it doesn't make you perfect. It doesn't make you without problems but it gives you the ability to do what is right. Can somebody say amen? And that's what we want to do is to, tonight as we get back into the book of Romans and, and jump into this and study along and, and just believe God for some wisdom and direction. 
that God would just help us. Thank you. We've got to ask Bob what we're doing, you know. Pastor, don't you put the list together? Yeah, but I don't remember the names. He just tells me, so. What? It's a Bob said moment. See, that's something we're going to teach y'all. If anything's happening in the church and you wonder how it's happening, you just say, Bob said. Say that with me. Bob said. Okay. So we know. You didn't know the importance that your dad had in this church, did you? <laughs> yeah. Let me talk to you for just a second before we sing. When you come to church, when you open your Bible, when you pray, when you do anything before God, let me encourage you, let this be the first thing you do. Before I do anything, God, open the eyes of my understanding. Open the eyes of my heart. These eyes up here, they can fail me. These ears will let me down. This mouth gets me in more trouble than I can admit. Don't any of you say amen, except I heard that already. But when we say, God, open the eyes of my heart, you know what we're telling God? God, I want to see what you're doing. I want to see you in the midst of all of this. So let's sing this. But let's don't, don't sing it as an anthem. Let's don't sing it as a song. Let's sing it as a prayer. God, let me see what's going on. Maybe your life, you're going through struggles. Can I tell you something? If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, He's going right with it through you, with you. He's going through it with you. And He will help you to see why you're going through what you're going through. Because sometimes you're going through it because He's led you to it. And the promise is He'll take you through it. Okay? So let's pray. Jimmy going to be here? Open the eyes of my heart. Come on, pray it tonight. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Come on, lift your hands and say it to them again. Would you, church? Come on. Open the eyes. Let it be your prayer tonight. I want to see. God, I don't want to see the problems. I don't want to see the difficulties. I want to see you. You are the promise in the midst eyes of my heart, Lord. Come on. You are the promise in the midst of the problems. You are the right in the midst of the wrong. God, that's what I want to see. That's what I want to see tonight. I want to see I Open the eyes. Open the eyes of my heart. Let it be your prayer. 
I want to see you. Come on, sing it again. Take your eyes off the problem. Lift them a little bit and you'll see God's promise. See behind the freedom, shining in the light of your glory. For out your power and love as we sing holy, holy, holy. God, tonight, we lay aside everything. Lord, the good or the bad of today, the right or the wrong of today, God, we know we live in a fallen world. And God, we know we deal with a fallen nature. And God, sometimes those two worlds collide. Lord, even though we are righteous because of you, you are the one that has forgiven us. You are the one that has made us righteous. But God, just like we are studying in this book, and we'll get into even deeper as we go, God, we know that inside this flesh dwells no good thing except for you. God, help us that when we see the problems, God, that you remind us of the promise. God, when we see the mess, God, you, we, you would remind us that you're still the message, the message of hope. God, when we see the trials, God, you still teach us that you can turn them into triumphs. God, thank you today. Help us to know that all we have to do is lift our eyes a little bit. God, that we can see you. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His Glory and grace. Come on, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. 
God, tonight, I ask you to help us. God, I can sense, God, in my spirit, that there are people in here tonight that are struggling with, struggling with self-worth. They're struggling with what people think. God, they're struggling with the difficulties of just everyday life because, God, ultimately, they're struggling with what they think of themselves, of you. Help them, Father, tonight. Help each of us just lift our eyes and turn them upon you. God, to let go of everything. To know, God, that greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world. And though we do fall short of God's glory, God, every time there's a problem, the Father just looks to you and say, these words is what we will hear if we'll listen. Father, it's under the blood. They're my child. They're your child. Let's turn our eyes on Jesus. Would you tonight? have your notes we're in a new set of notes tonight and uh it's uh, part two and on the front of your notes it should say uh christ has uh we have become righteous i don't know what i don't have a set of notes in front of me that's last week yeah part two god's righteousness revealed in christ okay so you want to do this uh you want to have this set of notes and we'll jump right into them got a lot of bible reading uh, once again, I was talking about it. Take your Facebook and 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 click in or or sign in or whatever they call it, and you know let people know where you're at, okay? Uh, and let's just uh, let's jump into this, okay? Uh, I'm going to need some uh, readers. Uh, uh, Jack, I want you to give me Romans three ten through twenty six. Will give me Second Timothy chapter four verse two. Uh, Pastor Honey, I want you to give me Philippians 3, 4 through 6. For those of you all that's visiting, Pastor Honey is my wife. Officially, it's Pastor Jewel. Most people just call her Jewel, but... Yeah, some people are calling her Pastor Honey. Hmm. I wonder how that's working. Uh, okay, so we've got Philippians 3, 4 through 6. Uh, Miss Helen, uh, give me John 14, 6. Okay, um, uh, Jan, 
I started to say Lavelle's wife. Je okay, Jen, give me uh, Jeremiah. We're going to take, like I said, we've got a bunch of scripture, okay? Jeremiah 17, 9. Lavelle, give me Genesis 6, 5. Courtney, give me Romans 8, 6 through 7. Uh, over here, uh, Diana, give me 1 John 2, 15. Uh, Carol, give me Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Where'd Steve go? Okay, well, uh, Mrs. Rose, Mrs. Smith, give me uh, James 4, 4 through 8. I want to read a couple things, and then I'm going to have I'm going to have Jack read, and then Second Timothy. So just remember your scriptures when I call it out. Remember the scripture, just so we can get it read. Uh, Amber, did you bring your Bible with you? You got it on your phone. You have it. Okay, I'll get you some scripture if we have time. I'm going to try to do this in part one, and I want you I want you to listen to me just for a moment. I know you're listening to me, but. Uh, uh, take your eyes off the notes for just a second. I think I left this in your notes, but in part one of our series, chapters one, two, and three, we literally for the last three weeks, four weeks, have talked about how bad it is. How bad humanity is. How bad we are in this world because of sin. Okay? We've talked about how bad it can get. How bad is the human condition? You know, we kind of said it tongue-in-cheek when Bob said he wanted to post that thing about how bad people are. But the reality, folks, we are wretched outside of Christ. And so how bad? You could write books and pages and documents. But the reality, if you're going to write about the goodness of people, there's only one name you can give, and that's Jesus. Okay? Paul said nothing dwells inside of me that's any good at all except for Jesus. Even Jesus, when a young man that we know as the rich young ruler came to him and called him good master. Think about it for a second. Jesus' response to him, why do you call me good? There is none good but our Father which is in heaven. Why would Jesus make such an audacious statement? We're talking about Jesus, the epitome of goodness. Why did he make that statement? It's not a trick question. Think about it for a second. And just lift your hand and let's, let's think about it. Danny? Okay, he's perfect. But that's not what his response was. His response was not a positive. He said, why do you call me good? We're talking about Jesus. Why did he make that statement? I, you haven't been here. Tell me your name again. Mark, yes. He's speaking as man. He's speaking about the human condition. Remember, he is all God. But he stepped out of his divinity. On the earth, who is he? the Son of Man. He's all man. And he's making the same statement, in this flesh, there's nothing good. Thank you, Mark. Why would he make that statement? 
It, yes, the human condition, but why is he making that statement? He's trying to tell us something. Well, we've talked about for the last three, three weeks or four weeks, Jack. He doesn't want to compare himself to God. That's, that's fine, but that's not, that's not what he's saying it for. Why is he saying it? Laura? I'm sorry? Well, he's not a sinner, okay? Jesus, the reason we can separate Jesus from all the rest of mankind is because though he was born and of a woman, who was his father? So it was still the pure blood. Because the blood comes from the Father. Okay? The Bible says life is in the blood. Are you okay? Okay. He made that statement, uh, Diana. He wanted to get down to our level. These are all correct answers and they're good answers, but thus for sake of time, let me answer it for you. Why he made that statement? To let us know that, w- that all of human condition is wrapped in sin. There is none good. No, not one. Okay? Jesus was on earth. He was the propitiation. Therefore, he was able to bring expiation. Okay, those fancy words... Propitiation, he was able to to be the atonement or the payment for the sin. The expiation, his life was accepted. He appeased the law. He satisfied the law. To expiate means to satisfy. To propitiate means to pay for. Okay? Now use those words a lot because a lot of people, they don't understand. Well, Jesus just died. There's a whole lot more to it than him just dying. He could have just died and not been anything. The Bible says through the things he suffered in the book of Hebrews, he became the son. He learned through the things he suffered. What does that mean? Now, I'm not going to take time, but did you realize in a place called Gethsemane, he could have said no? Let me take you back to the picture. He's there, and I've shared it before, but I just want to refresh it as we get into this and get ready to reject, okay? He's there, and he brings the disciples. They all are a distance, and he takes three of them to be close by with him. Who did he take? James, John, and Peter. Okay, lots of reasons for sake of time. I'm not going to go into that. But they are instrumental at the beginning of the church. James, unless you're raised Catholic, everybody knows James was the head of the church. The Catholics believe that Peter was the head of the church. Okay? James, John, and Peter. Okay? They went with him. But what did Jesus come back and find them doing? Sleeping. Why were they sleeping? We say they're tired. Yeah. But listen to what's happening. There is a battle for eternity hanging in the balance. How many have ever opened your Bible and felt dead asleep? I mean, you read some of these books, you read other books, man, you're just, you're gravitated. But you open the Bible, it's the best sedative you could ever imagine. 
put you right to sleep. Why? The devil don't want you reading the Bible. He makes sure Mr. Sandman comes knocking. Oh, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep a little. Okay, not my singing, but you know, go to sleep. There's, a, there's an eternal battle hanging. Jesus comes back to them. He said, guys, can't you just wait one hour? Could you just pray with me? And then he made this statement. My spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. This is Jesus speaking. He's talking about the human condition. Look at me. He's talking about every single one of us in this room. We are weak in our flesh. That's why the Bible says to walk in the Spirit, to live in the Spirit. If you live in the Spirit, you will not abide in the flesh. There's, there, that's more than just words. Am I making sense? It's more than just words when he says that. He said, my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. Guys, I need you to stand with me. And then he goes and he prays three times. Father, is there some other way? You see, eternity hung in the balance of Gethsemane. He's looking for a different way. He knows the way. And he's not challenging the way. He's saying, Dad, is there another way? You and I go through things. We struggle with things. And I would love to tell you there's a different way to get through this. But sometimes you just got to bulldog through it. And some of us, more times than not, I guarantee that I bulldog through more stuff than you could ever imagine. Just because I know there's only one way through this. And if you and I, as mature Christians, stop and realize there is no other way. I, Jesus said, am the way. I am the truth. I am the life, Jesus said. No other way. Three times, Father, is there another way? He already knew the answer. Why did he do that? Why did he do that? I'm sorry? Because he loved us? That's a very good statement. But there's a reason that he said that he sought the Father for a different way. How many of you have tried to get a way out? How many of you have tried to get a way out of the struggle you're dealing with? Huh? It's human nature. This is our sin nature. There's sometimes that you're going through the muck and the mire, and you know what? You're going exactly through what God planned from the foundation of the world for you to go through. Is it for you? Not necessarily. It's sometimes for somebody else. It could be just to grow your faith. I mean, God puts bad stuff. No, that's not what the Bible teaches. But He allows us to go through things. There is one place to turn. And the sad reality in this human nature, none of us want to go there. We all want to escape. That's why 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, not in your notes, but you can write it down. It tells us that, um, okay, it tells us. Come on, mind. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There is therefore now, thank you, 
no temptation, no trial, no testing that is not common to man. What does that mean? We all go through the same stuff. All different weights, different levels, same stuff. I tell people all the the time, the devil don't have any new bag of tricks, just a new bag of fools. Okay? There is therefore now no temptation, but such as is common to man. But God said, I'm faithful, and I will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able. Remember that human condition? Bill Weaver, he knows what you can handle. Kelly, he knows. Jack, he knows. Jimmy, he knows. Jan, he knows. Courtney, he knows. You might sit back, oh God, this is God. No, no, no. If you're living for God and you're going through it, guess what? He's going right through it with you. And he knows what you can handle. Isn't that right, Mrs. Smith? It, it, he knows. He said, I'm faithful. I won't allow you to go through anything you can't handle. But listen to this. But with every temptation, every trial, every testing, every situation, he says, I will make a way to escape. And we all oh, praise God. But we end it there. But that's not where the verse ends. The verse ends that you might bear up under it. In other words, he didn't change the road you're on. He didn't change the situation you're on. There's an old thing that we've all read over the years. Sometimes God calms the storm, but more times than not, He calms the child and lets the storm rage. There's nothing that happens in God's kingdom for nothing. Nothing. If you're a child of God, you have never, ever gone through anything that God didn't allow and He wasn't right there with you. Are you with me? Okay. Jesus, in all of this, He's trying to help us to understand the human condition. Why do you call me good? There is no one good. Jack, what you give me? Romans chapter 3. And you're going to read, you're going to start with the 10th verse, and you're going to go all the way down to the 26th verse. Okay? Um, because, and I, I want to start here. It's not in your notes, but put it in your notes. I'm in the very first paragraph, but I'm putting Romans 3, 10 through 26, because now we're going to jump into Romans 4. Okay? So you got a microphone, Jack? Go ahead and, and start reading. Starting with verse 10. And I want you, I'm going to emphasize a couple things as he's going. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. Okay, say that again. There is no one righteous, not even one. Okay, grab that one more time. What's he saying? Go ahead, Jack. There is no one righteous, not even one. Okay, look at somebody and say, that means my goodness sucks, right? Oh, that's right. Or stinks. Maybe that's a better word. Okay, whatever word you want to use, as long as it's not ungodly. Okay. Mark, what are you going to do with me? People say, I'm surprised at the things you say. You'd be more surprised if you knew what I wasn't saying. Anyway, what's he saying? You will never be good enough. I'll never be good enough. There is no one righteous. What's the word righteous mean? Right standing with God. No one. No, not one. That should. Is that Jesus writing? Could be. That could let you off the hook. 
when the devil tries to condemn you. What, what do you mean? You can tell him and say, devil, I know that in this thing, you're right. But in him, I'm already righteous. Okay, continue on. So start with, start, go ahead and start over. Uh, verse 10, chapter 3, and just go on. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, and there is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together... They have... Be- <laughs> they have be- together become worthless. Okay, stop there. Do you, you see what he's saying here? No one's righteous. No, not one. They've all turned away. What's he talking about here? Keep in the back of your mind, he's talking about the human condition. What Adam and Eve did in, 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 uh, in Genesis, in the Garden of Eden, is played out every day in every man and woman's life. I don't care how godly and wonderful and awesome every single one of us. Well, actually, don't let me say this. Let me quote Billy Graham. He was asked about his life before God. How do you do it? And you know what Billy Graham told everybody? This was, a, this was a Time Magazine article. I think it was back in 1985 or something like that. It was one of his anniversaries. And they talked about a salvation experience. And, and he said, I didn't feel a thing. I just, I just prayed a prayer. That's, you know. And the Bible says, all that come unto me will be saved. I prayed a prayer. And how many think Billy Graham might be saved? You say, if Billy Graham's not saved, let's all close the book and go home. Well, that was his statement. I just prayed a prayer. Okay? But then they asked him about living righteous. And this was Billy Graham's statement. I'll try to do it verbatim. Go Google it, and some of you guys can bring it to me later so I can get it back to verbatim. It's in my files someplace. He said, there's not a man on earth, given the right time, the right situation, the right circumstance, the right uh, opportunity, would not work out his most vile fantasy myself included that's why the bible says flee even the appearance of evil that's why the bible says give no place to the devil can i tell you something if you're in the wrong place it's always the wrong time it is see joseph when potiphar's wife was hitting on him did he stand, stand there and try to reason with her? He tried to, well, you know, Mrs. Potiphar, you know, this probably isn't the best thing. I mean, I know you're, I know you're pretty cool looking, and I know this. and I, What's the Bible say that Joseph did? What did he do? He ran. And he still went to prison for it. Why? Because the chick kept his cloak. And made up this big story. But Joseph didn't care. You know why? He knew who he was doing it before. It was before God. Paul is writing here about the human condition. And I'm, I'm sharing this as we get into this, this next uh, piece of our, of our study on the book of Romans because I want us to understand we are, we are jacked up. Okay? But we are made righteous through Christ. We're made righteous through Christ. We're made righteous through Christ. Okay? There's none righteous. No, not one. We've all turned away. Every single day, the devil throws stuff out there. Okay? 
Jack, pick it up where you were and continue on, please. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Okay, what does it mean for those that are under the law? They haven't accepted Christ. If you haven't accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're under the law. If you have accepted and you still try to work out your own righteousness, you try to be good enough, or you try to get... You know, there's, there's, this, there's this thing that's happening uh, that's been happening for the last several years, and it's getting more, more and more prevalent. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Uh, where Christians try to go back to the Jewish roots. There's a name for it. What is it? Not messianic. That means they've, they've completed. They've, they've accepted Christ. It's a term. I was thinking about it today, but it just kind of escaped my mind. The train left the station. Um, but anyway, when he said those that, uh, talking about the law, he's talking about those that have not accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. Okay? And then it goes on to say, go ahead, Jack. I forgot what I was at. There, therefore, excuse me, I'm verse 20. That's okay. There, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in the sight of God by the works of the law. You hear Rather, what it's saying? No one by the works of the law are going to be declared righteous. No one. Okay? Look at somebody and says, that means I will never be good enough. That's what it means. I will never be good enough. Okay? I'm going to let you go until verse 23 and I'm going to stop you again. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we have become conscious of, our, conscious of our sin. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe. There is no difference between the Jew and the Gentile. For all have fall, sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Okay, stop there. What is he talking about for these last 13 verses? And I could have started verse 1, but just for sake of time. What is he talking about? We've been talking about it all. He's talking about the human condition. Every one of us are under the law, outside of Christ. And that's why he starts turning this corner here. He said, our righteousness is only from Christ. Okay? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Jew, Greek, Okay, or Jew or Gentile, makes no difference. Everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, we just started out with. No, not one. None that seek to do good. This, he, the whole thing's talking about the human condition. Now he turns here at this verse, and he starts talking about the promise of God, the hope that we have in Christ, the certainty that we have because of what Jesus did. Go ahead and just read the last three verses. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came through Jesus Christ. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood. He 
received by faith, he did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. He said the human condition, all of sin. Everybody's done. It's over. But you come to me, Romans 1.17, a righteousness that came from heaven. God did the thing for us. He did it, okay? Remember, there's two things God did first. Only two things in all of, in all of eternity that God did first. Remember what they are? They both start with C. Creation and Calvary. So only two things he did first. Creation, he made everything from nothing. Calvary, he saved everything. He said, I make a way where there's no way. Okay, and we, we've studied through this. When did that happen? Before the earth was even created. That's why faith begins in Genesis 1-1. Faith doesn't begin in the, Old Test, in the New Testament. Salvation didn't start in the New Testament. Salvation started in Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God. And he said, all that come unto me, I will in no wise cast out. How many think that's a pretty cool thing? Our righteousness, everything we hope to be, is only because of God. Now, I shared all that I've shared in just in setting this next section up, not because I want to throw anybody down or I want to condemn anybody or to make anybody feel inadequate. I want us to understand this human condition. Beth, you're going to mess up. I know you may not know that, but you're going to mess up. Just like you, Joe. You're going to mess up. Okay? Pastor Ray, that might be a little harder for you, but hey. That's my humor. We're going to mess up. Look at somebody and say, he's going to talk to me tonight, isn't he? You know why? I'm king of mess up. So I don't say all of this to make anybody feel bad or inadequate. But as a pastor, I have a responsibility. Who's got 2 Timothy 4 and 2? Go ahead. Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. What's he say? I have a responsibility to do what I do. My job is not to massage the message. My job is to proclaim the good news. That's my job. I'm not, uh, my job is not to try to, to fill the chairs. Whose job is that? It's actually God's job. God's job is, is the church. He said, I will build my church. All those that want. Because the church isn't a building. But he said, I will build. But we just read, and Jack just read the whole thing, the human condition. None righteous. No one that wants to do good. But what's the Holy Spirit keep doing? Keeps drawing. Keeps drawing. Keeps drawing. Tomorrow morning when Courtney wakes up, I guarantee sometime during the day, thoughts of bad is going to go through her head. But I'm a godly girl. 
Anybody had any thoughts of bad go through their head today? Besides me? Now you say, well, Pastor, do you have thoughts of good? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm inundated with thoughts of good, but the bad always works its way in. Why? we got this human condition. And if we don't continue to seek after God, what starts seeking after us? The enemy. Am I making sense? So people say, well, Pastor, I have doubts. Does that mean, does that mean I'm going to hell? I think doubts are a product of faith. You're trying to believe. You're trying to suppress and put down this human condition and believe what God has said. Am I making sense tonight? Somebody say amen. How about oh me? Maybe that might work. Jesus said, I'm building my church. It's not my job to build a church. My job is to build people. And how do I build people? By doing what God's Word says to do. He said, correct rebuke, encourage with patience, great patience, and careful instruction. Do you know how easy it would be for me to change the preaching just a little bit that would just fill this house to overflowing? But then that would be the fulfillment of many preachers of years gone by. You'd have a church where the, the Christians are a mile wide and an inch deep. I'm looking for the rapture. And when I see the rapture, you know what I want to see? An empty church. If God allows me to look over my shoulder when we're going up, however that happens, I don't know. I don't know if we're flying up or we're beaming me up, Scotty. I'm not sure what we're doing. Okay, but all I know is if God gives me the ability to look back over my shoulder at the house that we call Victorious Life Christian Center, I don't want to see an. Imp- I don't want to see a single person in there. I want to see an empty church. Because that means I've done my job. I've matured people. That's my job. That's what the Word of God tells me I'm supposed to do. This is why I preach the way I do. I'm not the bearer of bad news. I'm the proclaimer of the good news. But the good news is there is only one cure for the human condition. And that cure is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Nothing else. Because we've all messed up. We've all fallen short of God's glory as Jack just read. And there's none that even tries to be good. Well, you say, I've done some good things. That's right. And how far has that goodness got you? How many have ever done something good for somebody and had it turn in your face? And then you started thinking, well, I'm never going to do that again. Anybody besides me? That was from the voice of Lavelle. But hey, folks, you do something good for somebody, they don't, they don't appreciate it, they don't thank you for it, they don't, well, why are we doing it? For the accolades? That's where the Bible talks about the left hand and the right hand thing. We're supposed to be doing it as unto the Lord. Now, before we run out of time tonight, I want to I look, who's got Philippians 3? I think it's my wife, isn't it? You have Philippians 3 also? You could do that if I need you to. Okay. Okay. We've all fallen short. Even the most religious person has to be careful to obey all of God's law. Because sooner or later, and chances are it'll be sooner before later, 
you're going to mess up someplace. Romans chapter 1 and chapter 3, 1 through 3, explains that bad people are not going to heaven. Romans chapters 1 through 3, we just spent the last four weeks, explains bad people are not going to heaven. Oh, you're thinking, Pastor, you're making me nervous now. How many have ever had somebody tell you they're a bad person? I've never met a bad person. Everybody says they're good. Well, I'm not as bad as the next guy. So what are we saying? I'm a good person. I guarantee you are a bad person, Danny. <laughs> you know what the Bible teaches? Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. Good people aren't going to heaven either, folks. Just Christians. Those that were dead, but now live. You see, whether good or bad, we got problems. Can I tell you what happens if you think you're a good person? You get caught up in your goodness. You become arrogant about how good you are. This is what, this is, what is called a religious spirit. If, you're a, if you consider you're a bad person, then you become condemned in your badness. Well, nobody ever loves me. I, I, I couldn't get to heaven if I tried to. Why? Because we're all guilty. I want you to look at this guy that wrote the book of Romans, the pedigree of Paul in Philippians. Oh, she's coming back. I almost turned your notes to somebody else, darling. Oh, cool. Okay. They're not picking it up right now, are they? Good. That's all I need is a couch to walk down the hall with. <laughs> Philippians chapter 3 gives us the pedigree of one of the greatest people in our, in our mind, in my mind, that ever walked the earth outside of Christ. I mean, this guy was incredible. Two-thirds of the New Testament, God used his hand to pen. I mean, this is an incredible guy. But I want you to look at how Paul describes himself. Okay? As far as goodness, as far as righteousness, as far as a, a man of God, as far as a, a person that, that could be looked at in, in an astute character. Okay? What, you, what version are you reading out of, dear? The NIV. The NIV, okay. Yeah. Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. six. If, you ever, if you ever think you're good enough, I, I, compared to the Paul's pedigree, okay? Let's listen to how Paul says about his own goodness. Go ahead. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Okay, stop there. Paul is saying, he's talking about the people before Philippians 3, 1, and at the end of Philippians 3, 2, or 2. He's talking about these people that thought they were all this in a bag of chips. They thought they were just good folks. They were just, man, they had it all together. And Paul is now saying, hey guys, if somebody has reason for confidence in the flesh, let me talk to you about me. And then he gives this whole illustrious line. Well, Go ahead. The reasons why are circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, 
a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Did, did I stop you there? Okay, I think I wanted you to go further. But whatever. Look, hold on. Yeah, I want you to go down through eight. Okay, but okay, whatever. But stop, let's stop there for a second. Look, <laughs> look at his, look at the way he looks at him. He says, he says, guys, I've done everything. Look at, the, look at the audacity of him. Concerning the righteousness of the law, blameless. Mm-hmm. Now you think about, could you say that you haven't looked upon a woman wrong or a man wrong? That you haven't stole a piece of bubble gum? That you haven't Broken the speed limit? That you haven't, huh? Oh, yeah, well, yeah. I could have spent all night and not gone there. But what? But you hear what Paul says? Concerning the law, blameless? But look what Paul said. He said, I, I could confidently boast if it was in me. But look what he said in verse 7. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. He said, my whole life? No. It's about Jesus. Verse 8. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. Okay, so so look at me for a second here. We're talking about Paul the Apostle. Probably, once again, the epitome of righteousness if there was on the earth. Okay? Outside of Christ, Christ lived a life right standing. That's why he could become the propitiation or the atonement for our sins. He lived a spotless life. Okay? Everything that Paul described there, Jesus was beyond. Okay? But Paul said, all of this of my goodness, of the good deeds, of I'm not as bad as the next guy, that I've, you know, I, you know yeah, I've, I've messed up a little bit, but it's not, it's not quite that bad. I mean, you know, come on. Now think about this for a second, because I'm trying to help us to understand the title of this thing. God's righteousness, how is it revealed? In you? In me? In Christ. Paul said, nothing of my life. And this is where I want to grab you tonight. Please, look at me, please. Nothing of my life has any value except Christ. You say, Pastor, that's that's hard. Yeah, it is. But it is the greatest understanding of victory you will ever have. When you start realizing it isn't you or about you, it's about Christ in you. This is what Paul's talking about here. He's saying, ladies, he's saying, gentlemen, come to grips with this. God did all of this great stuff through me. I count it as dung. 
The only thing that I put value on is I ask Christ into my life. You say, well, how does that really bear that place of victory? You'll stop trying to measure up. You'll stop trying to prove yourself. You'll stop trying to earn the accolades. You'll stop trying to grab this or grab that. You'll realize Jesus already did it. And the only thing that matters is that I might know Him. Am I making sense? This is what Paul is trying to help us understand here. There is not a single person you will ever meet, yourself, myself included, that thinks they are bad enough to deserve hell. Have you ever met anybody who thought they were? Well, you, yeah, I, you like me. I've met people, oh, I'm, going to, I'm going to hell. Yeah, I'm pretty bad, but I'm going to party down there. Or I'm pretty bad, and I've done this, and I've done that. Yep, I'm on my way. But in their heart of hearts, no. You know the people that fear death the most are the ones that talk about it with the most glib or... Is that the word glib? Whatever word it is. No one thinks they're bad enough to deserve hell. And hope that God understands the the human condition and will make a way in spite of them. This is why Romans 1, 2, and 3 is there. Who has John John uh, 14? Who did I give that to? John 14. Somebody remember. I think it was you, Helen, wasn't it? Oh, you have Corinthians? Okay. John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me, through me. Jesus dealt with the human condition. You know how he did it? He came and took himself to put in the middle of it. He became man. He took on flesh. The same Ugly flesh that you and I deal with every single day, Jesus dealt with his entire life. That's why we can read Hebrews chapter 4. and says that we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was likewise in every area tempted as we are, yet without sin. So because of this, we can come to him in that time of need, boldly to the throne of grace. Because he went through everything. See, the Bible says that he tasted death for everyone. He knows exactly what you're going through. That's why I spent so much time tonight in this first part of this, of this, of this second uh, chapter. 
to help us understand the human condition is the human condition. And Jesus went through every single piece you will ever, ever, ever go through. Yet he did it without sin. And he said, because of that, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. What's he telling you to do? Give it to me. I am your righteousness. I am your hope. I am your present help. I am the way. No other way. Father, three times. Any other way? No other way. You are the way, Jesus. And it's only through Christ that we have this victory. Okay? Did everybody understand? Is, did, I, did I do okay laying this foundation tonight? Okay? I'm going to read real quick. I gave a bunch of scripture because I want to put to rest this whole human condition thing. Uh, after we're done tonight, well, I'm not going to put it to rest. We're going to talk about a lot of different things. Okay? Yeah, we have, we have four copies left of the Watchman Nee book, uh, The Normal Christian Life, one of the best books on the book of Romans. Very simple book. Uh, and it'll just help you. You sit down and say, oh, that's why I do that. Oh, that's why I think that. Yeah, or, you know, this is what the scripture, okay? So we got four books. We paid $4.97, including shipping. It was the cheapest I've ever found them. And so we're making you pay $5. Church is getting three cents. If you want to fight it, we'll give you three cents. Okay? But, uh, so we got four copies left if you want to get a copy of it. I would encourage it. Okay? I'm going to give a bunch of scripture. I want you to read it. So please remember your, past, their, your, your uh, scriptures. And it's in your notes there. We all have a bent towards evil. That's why no matter how good you want to be, the Bible says you're going to lean towards the evil. That's called the human condition. Jeremiah 17.9. Who has it? Jeremiah 17.9. Okay, right over here, Jan. Okay, runners run really quick with the microphones. Okay, go ahead. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Oh, I thought you were a good-hearted person. What's the Bible say about the heart? Desperately wicked. Okay? Genesis 6 5. Genesis 6 5. Who has I've, it? I've got it. Okay, go ahead. Okay, Genesis 6 5. Uh, this is King James Version. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. See, there's that wicked heart. And how many think he's just described the hour we live? How many think he described that? Have you seen some of the most horrific stuff? I was talking to somebody, you know, when I was a kid growing up, I used to love Saturday morning cartoons. I couldn't imagine watching Saturday morning cartoons today, the, the illicit things that they do, do and talk. I mean, just, just amazing. But you know what he just described? You say, well, that sounds like today. Well, as you read that in context, he's describing the days of Noah. 
which the Bible says it will be like when the Son of Man returns, as it was in the days of Noah. The hearts of man were continually wicked, continually doing wicked. Okay, Romans 8, 6, and 7. If your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. If never did obey God's law, it never will. Will you read it again, please? Read it a little slower. You're a quick talker. Sorry. If your sinful, uh, if your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. But if the there holy is what? There's death. Death, okay. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. If never did obey God's law, and it never will. If the sinful nature controls your mind, you're just walking dead. If the Holy Spirit controls your mind, you walk in life and peace. Even in the midst of the problems, you still have peace. 1 John 2.15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Do not love the world nor the things of the world. Does that mean I can't have things? Is that what it's saying? No. What's it saying? The, the love of I'm sorry? The things of the world can't have you. See, God has no problem with you having things. You mean God doesn't care if I have a Mercedes? No, no as long as you give the preacher a second one, maybe. Okay, just kidding. Just kidding, just kidding. People are going to walk out of here. That's all those preachers want. Okay. God doesn't care if you have a Mercedes. He don't care if you have a garage full of them. He just don't want them to have you. Love not the world nor the things of the world because if you do that, it's called idolatry. What is the first letter of idolatry? That's all it is. Anything before God is an idol, is idolatry. If you love the things of the world more, the love of the Father is not in you. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Up here in front. And then James 4, 4 through 8. Who has that? Okay, back in the back with Rose. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Okay. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. If you have been raised with Christ, where are you supposed to keep your eyes? On the things above. You've already been resurrected. You, you're the old man, once again, Jesus didn't die to make bad people good. He died to make dead people live. You've already been resurrected in Christ spiritually. One day we're going to be resurrected bodily. Okay, just like Christ was on the third day. Are you with me? Okay, so now... I was going to read this whole chapter again like we did, like we ended last week, but we're just going to do 4 through 8 of James chapter 4. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to the church. And what's the church doing? 
They're getting caught up in their human condition instead of their spiritual condition. They're focusing on the world instead of Christ. How do we become righteous? Okay, it's not a trick question. How do we become righteous? How do we stay righteous? In Christ. Okay? We become righteous through Him. We stay righteous in Him. But the reality is the world always trying to pull you from Him. Always. It will never stop. Oh, it's it's just so hard. Yeah, it is. Well, pastor, it shouldn't be that. We'll talk to Jesus about that. Father, is there any other way? Father, is there any other way? Nope, no other way. So let's look at James 4, 4 through 8. Is that what it is, Rose? Yes. Yeah. The NIV version. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Okay, so stop there. What's he calling his church? Adulterous. What's he calling us? Adulterous. Adulterous. Why is he calling us adulterous? He explains it the next very line. Don't you know that friendship with the world sets you at odds with God? You can't you can't straddle a fence. What is an adulterous person? A person having a relationship with two people. One legally, one illegally. Well, you, you mean I can be legally with God and still illegal with the world? Sure can. People do it every day. They come to church, live like a saint on Sunday and, and ain't on Monday. You adulterous people, don't you know? Go ahead and start over, Rose. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? But he gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Interesting writing, isn't it? God says, hey, I'm a jealous God. I ain't sharing you. Could you imagine my my wonderful wife if I brought another girl home with me? Yeah, probably. She knows where I keep my guns. Think about it. God said, folks, you can't have both ways. There is only one way. No other way. Okay, and I close with this. What is the big picture of Gethsemane? You got to die to live. If Jesus didn't die, we'd all be lost. But what happened when he died? 
Three days later, he rose again. And because he lives, we can live. Righteousness, that right standing relationship, always has been, always will be a gift. That's where we live our lives. Can somebody say amen? Any questions before we conclude tonight? Anybody learn anything tonight? Just, just, that's, this is the foundation. Next week I'll, I'll probably get through half a more page, but we'll, okay? But take the notes home with you. Take your notes home with you. Study them. I got lots of scripture, lots of stuff. If you see something on there that's messed up, ask me about it. Okay? God's word. The relationship with Christ, our only hope. Okay? Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, God, that we are righteous because of what you've done, not because of what we do. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name, to always yield ourselves to you, to submit ourselves to you, to resist the devil, and to realize that he has to flee. He has no choice.